You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's News and Insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Tax Wrap. Uh, this is episode 108 of all things. Um, Steve Burnham joined ably by Letty and Andy again. Hello. Hi, Hi Steve. Hi, Steve. Um, now, today we're talking about, it seems a little bit early, but we've actually... Um, filed our pre-budget submission already to the government, to Treasury, is that right? Did that's to right. Yes, yeah, so as most of our listeners will know, the budget usually gets handed down second Tuesday of every May. Last mm. year was a little bit different because it was pre-election. Oh, yeah. But we, we'd be expecting around the same time frame this year. Yeah. Um, usually the pre-budget submissions are not due so early in January, but they want it earlier, so we gave it to oh, them earlier. Oh, it's actually wanted earlier. Okay, yeah. I thought we were just being uh, you know, no, efficient. No, no, we, we <laughs> submitted it on deadline. Okay. No, no, typically what happens there, Steve, is the, uh, the Treasurer or the Assistant Treasurer issues a statement saying that we're requesting for oh, yeah. submissions and they set a due date and we've got to work with that. Okay. Well, it's Fair a good enough. thing, though, the more time that they have to consider people's submissions, the more informed their choices can be. Yeah, of course, of course. And, and we actually, um, I think, based our submission on uh, a survey of our members. Is that right? Yeah, so what we did, Steve, was uh, a few years back when we looked at the Rethink submission, we oh, did yeah. put a, a fairly extensive um, extensive poll canvassing a lot of our members' views on various uh, issues, tax issues, from, from individuals to obviously small businesses, which are, yep. is the main constituents of our members. So, yep. and we got some interesting feedback and uh, based on that, that's really informed informed some of the views that we've uh, canvassed in this uh, submission. Right, and so what, just getting into the details, what, what, do we, what do we think is a good idea? Well, we've looked at several categories. One is individual taxation, so we've made three recommendations there. Okay. One is for small business, because most of our customer base, I suppose, that taxation is working for small business. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're inclined to small businesses. <laughs> and so we've got three recommendations there as well. And we've got several to do with the new superannuation laws. So oh, right. apart from basing our recommendations on the survey of 2015, we also use our expertise in looking at recent, more recently law developments oh, yeah. yep. and administrative developments. And we also... Uh, use our own practitioner backgrounds to see what's really needed in the yeah, tax course, Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. So, so what, 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 what are the details? So with individuals, one recommendation that we're making is for the government to introduce a tax offset for mature age workers. Oh, yeah. Now, a couple of years ago, the government issued an intergenerational report, which will make for interesting reading for any interested listeners, which basically says that in 40 years' time, the proportion of tax-paying people, in other words, people of working age, mm. who will be contributing to the tax base will be much smaller as a proportion of the elderly and the very young. Mm. So we really, the country really needs to encourage people who are able-bodied and capable and enthusiastic <laughs> about staying in the workforce encourage them to stay in the workforce okay. for longer so that they can self-fund their retirement and, and also contribute to the tax base. Did you say that was in the form of an offset, of the tax offset? Yeah, that's right. Previously, we did have a mature age uh, worker offset that was, I think, about $500 that was capped at 500 mm. And so we're, we're keen to see something of that ilk, not necessarily at 500 but something that will, at least by way of a mechanism, and encourage older workers to stay in the workforce or encourage them to, to be in the workforce for a bit longer. Yeah, We also yeah. found that the former 
offset was very complicated to calculate and to understand. So there wasn't a huge take up. It failed in its policy intents, basically. Okay. So we're really just advocating for a simple offset. It's basically cash back in the pocket of your mature age workers. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mature age being over age 55 or 60 or? Well, we'll leave that for the wise oh, okay. of the government. Yep. But, yep. but ultimately, at the end of the day, we're wanting to encourage uh, people to stay in the workforce. Yeah, for of course, and keep paying taxes, of course. And to self-fund their retirement as well. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what else we got? So another thing we looked at was, uh, this is the age-old, timeless issue, really, uh, the standard work-related expense deductions. Oh, so right. currently, if you can deduct up to $300 without substantiation. Yep. That's not to say you don't have to prove that you actually incurred that You can't throw out, say that... you you use some airfares for a work trip when you were really lying on the beach somewhere. Right, yeah. But you don't need to show every single receipt for every single thing that you did. Right. Um, so we're recommending to move that threshold up to $2,000. And the reason we chose a threshold was because uh, the ATO's own data shows that the mean average of these deductions is roughly about... 2,300, 2,400, 2,200 per year, depending on the year, of course. So is that data from actual returns? Yeah, just from ATO raw data, really. Well, it makes sense then. Yeah, so it's just one of those um, aspects where it can be a little bit controversial as well. You know, some some practitioners do rely on on providing deductions for their clients and and getting a bit of money back at the end of the year is uh, very cultural. a uh, big culture here. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. I like it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, f- for example, in other jurisdictions like New Zealand, for example, um, work-related deductions um, aren't necessarily there. But people gave that up a while back um, as a result of them introducing the GST a while back. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Right. And, of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that tax agents will have less work to do because at the end of the day, you still need to have incurred the expense. It still needs to be related to your assessable income. Yeah, of course. And it's, it's just really so that you don't need your literal or figurative shoebox of receipts for every taxi trip that you took, for every oh, meal right. that you had with a client, for yep. every pen that you bought. So <laughs> it's, not, it's not taking away the actual... Um, analytical work from tax agents right. but it's taking away work that may not actually be recoverable all the time that you spend on your phone or emailing your client to say where's your evidence for this taxi trip oh yeah yeah fair yeah. enough and, and one of the other things one of the other things as well is um, the Henry Review and the government the former Labor government did try introducing a 500 standard deduction oh, and then a 1,000 standard deduction and that fell on its head because of the uh, global financial crisis. Oh, right. Fair enough. <laughs> so for interested listeners, another recommendation we made for individuals was concessional taxation of interest income, which we think will enable lower income or middle income families to invest spare cash because you know cash deposits in a bank is usually lower risk and relies a lot less capital than, for example, property or shares. Okay. So this will just encourage a lot more families to be able to save for their own futures. So, sorry, a concessional tax rate on that income? Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you propose any rate or...? No, again, we'll leave that for the okay. wise people at the Treasury. So the way it would work is, is to do with uh, a cap. So... Yep. So if you exceed that cap, then you'll have to include that interest in the social income. Oh, no, you mentioned small businesses, Lady. What's, what's in the... Absolutely. Now, this is one of the favourite topics for small business for the last couple of years, the $20,000 
immediate asset write-off. Oh, yes, yes. What are we hoping to happen with that? Yeah, we've been pushing the government. We put this in last year's uh, submission as well. We're hoping they keep that permanent yeah, yeah, as opposed to phasing it out by 30 June 17 this year. And really the rationale is that we've, over the last couple of years, we've had various uh, instant asset write-off thresholds. We've gone from 1,000 up to 6,500, back down to 1,000 up to 20,000. So <laughs> the number keeps on being, different numbers keep on being thrown around and there's a lack of certainty. We do yeah. note that the Henry review at the time did... Um, suggest a number a threshold of ten thousand. So so it's all in all it's all about providing consistency mm. and also it's a good uh, little uh, kick for small business. Yeah, for sure. And a, a, a small business sum um, which has a turnover of two million at the moment. Um, I know because I was reading Letty's notes, uh, there's also <laughs> a proposal about uh, changing that. Is that right? Sure. So basically uh, what happened last year was the government said we're going to change the eligibility threshold for most small business tax concessions to $10 million. Now, this was very, very well received by the community. Right. However, you always have to read the fine print when it comes to these sorts of proposals, right? right? So, yes, they have now changed it to $10 million for most concessions. But the Small Business Unincorporated Income Tax Offset, which is new from last year, is going to sit at $5 million. Right. And the small business CCT concessions will sit at two million dollars, which is, which was its old threshold. Yeah, yeah. So there's CCT concessions are generally speaking the most valuable concessions for small business, mm. but they're not moving the threshold up. Yeah. Okay. So in essence, Steve, um, what the government proposed last year was three categories of small business yeah. essentially, just with respect to the various concessions. So what we're saying is, well, look, why don't you give us one number? so that we can put the definition of small business into one bucket. And so our recommendation is that why don't you increase that threshold to 10 mils so to so that businesses with that turnover can avail themselves of, for example, the small business CGT concessions and also the the um, the offset. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a help, wouldn't it? Yeah, because with three thresholds, you'll find small businesses that range between two and five million or five and ten million will be scrabbling around asking the accountant, do I qualify for this offset? Do I qualify for that concession? And you'll qualify for one but not the other, and the next year you'll qualify for a different one. Right, right. It just adds a lot of work and burden. And and we believe that the government is uh, genuinely intent to help small businesses, which is why they've pushed through these sorts of initiatives, and we really support that. Yeah, Yeah, but we think let's just refine it, let's just take it one step further and if we just keep a simple threshold of $10 million for everything, it'll yep. just make small business life a lot easier. Okay, okay. Now, you mentioned also superannuation. What's in the in the wish list for that? Sure. So we'll leave it to readers to read the details of some of these, but basically most of our readers will be aware that there are a lot of new superannuation laws coming into play in the next year or so and so we've basically gone through them and just asked for refinements to certain aspects just to make it fairer for taxpayers and easier to administer one thing that one extra thing that we have asked for is that the government expands the mygov superannuation dashboard to provide extra online tools for taxpayers to keep track of their account balances and transactions because especially with the new superannuation laws coming up it is really important for taxpayers to know what their balances are, what the transaction limits are, and so on and so forth. 
and you want you know perfection is better than cure you don't want to breach a cap or a threshold yeah. and find out about the five months later no, no. you want to be able to keep track in real time so that you can plan ahead and say oh i don't think i'll transfer anymore into my superannuation account for example yeah well, well before it reaches the cap yeah. and well before 30th june so my gov is very good it already has a superannuation section yep. where you can you know what transfer fund balances and so forth and we think that the government can just improve it by having some real-time data tools, so to speak. There, just exactly. To help, just to help taxpayers to keep track of... Exactly. If they want us to stick to the caps, etc., that's, yeah. that's a tool that is, is necessary. All right. Uh, anything else you uh, want to drag out of the uh, yeah. submission? Yeah, I think we've got a few uh, core ones that we sort of want to put to the government yeah. as well. Um, primarily, the, the big one's actually looking at tax reform. Okay. Um, you know, we've stopped and started and, to be honest, governments in the past haven't been very good at, um, um, they've outlined policies but yep. and out, done a lot of tax reviews and done a lot of work like the, the white paper discussion paper, we've had the Henry review, but there's been no coherent plan. So we've pushed for the government to, to actually outline a plan and, and provide some coherent set of uh, policies that they can that they can implement. Yeah, yeah, okay. And um, we're also really pushing for the government to once again take up the reform of the taxation of trust. It, this has, again, this has really been picked up and put down by various successive governments. We've we've got some interim trust taxation changes yeah, from yeah. 2011. Nothing has happened since, so uh, we're really indeed. encouraging the government to just dedicate some funding to look at it properly. Yeah, because trusts aren't going to go away, so that's no. something that should no. be dealt with. And, and last but not least as well, we've also put to the government, I mean, even today as we speak, uh, tax agent portal is mm. down again as a oh, consequence. <laughs> that's right, yeah. As a consequence of uh, that um, that issue that we ha they had with uh, the hardware back in, in December. December. Yeah. Um, as we spoke about previously, we've, you know, it appears to be systemic, some of the issues, um, particularly with the census and so forth. So we've asked the government to, to reflect on that and, and obviously put additional resourcing where necessary to ensure that, you know, IT systems are fully functioning and, and appropriately serving the community as intended. Yeah, yes, yeah, and we're very grateful that the ATO has commissioned that, uh, re that review by PwC. Oh, yeah. But obviously with government systems the being a whole government you know inf information technology system right. the federal government itself also needs to take charge of it as well as the various agencies yeah yeah that makes sense gosh well that's that's a, a mouthful it's a, certainly a lot to read look re uh, listeners there is a lot more in the submission i'll make sure there's a link on our website so you can download and have a read and please email us get back to us if you have anything to mention to comment on uh, in that submission we're always willing to hear from you because uh, you you have got ideas. Um, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Levy. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, listeners. We'll be back next week.